The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to everyone who is joining us this morning from wherever you are joining us in your pink and red pajamas, surrounded by loved ones, or a hot cup of coffee in your hands. Welcome. Welcome to this hour of worship together and happy Valentine's Day. Richard Houston, in his collection of poetry titled Risking Everything, writes, we fall in love and always backwards, for we never know where love is taking us. This morning, we will talk about some of the places that love, even the love that doesn't last, takes us on this Valentine's Day. So welcome, and I want to thank everybody who is making this morning possible. This morning, that of course includes Jonathan Silk, who's masterminding all of our AV, Eric Shackelford and Shuli Ong, who are on camera so that you can see us. Don Weepert, who is here with me as our worship associate this morning. I want to thank Thomas Brown, who opened up the church for us this morning, too, and Dan Bernard, who's here also making sure things are safe and running well. Amy Kelly, who decorated with the red that is significant of Valentine's Day, but also of the Lunar New Year, which we are in the midst of celebrations for this week. I want to thank our musicians, Reiko Odelaine, Leandro Ram, Brielle Marina Nielsen, Ben Rudiak Gould, Asher Davidson, and of course, Mark Sumner for bringing us a stunning array of musical selections this morning to carry us through worship. Joe Chapeau waits for all of you on the chat if you have questions or needs that he can help you with. And if you want to join us afterwards for the Zoom coffee hour, Les James will be there to help you get acquainted with that opportunity for connection. If you're joining us for the first time, you'll notice a link either on our website or in the chat to the order of service, which I invite you to get a copy of so that you can follow along this morning more easily. And we will light the candle that we have been lighting since we have been separated. And doing so, bring all of you in spirit into this sanctuary until we can be together again in body. And so we begin our worship this morning. And I invite all of you at home to join us in song. We're going to sing, Now Let Us Sing. It's hymn number 368. The words, the music, they're all in your order of service. Welcome to worship. Now let us Sing to the power 
this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. Good morning, everybody. If this is your first time joining us for worship, welcome especially to you. And again, a reminder to try and access the order of service, which is available to you, and which is emailed out actually every week with our weekly newsletter of events. So you can get all of that, access to all of that easily. If you just look for our connections form and fill it out so that we can keep you connected to what's happening here virtually at the First Unitarian Universalist Society in San Francisco. The order of service lists a number of upcoming events Every week, we invite you to read it and look through from spiritual practices to education to opportunities to be together in small groups. There are lots of ways to deepen the conversation and your relationships and your commitment in the world through the community and its programs. So let me just call a couple things to mind today. First, please join the coffee hour after service. It's a Zoom link that you'll find. And this week, there will be a chance to enter one breakout room where there will be a discussion of the sermon. So when you join the coffee hour, just let Les, who is our host today, know that that's something you want to do. Today, after service, right after service, we actually have a couple of fantastic opportunities, one of which is in honor of Darwin Day at one o'clock. Lori Lai, who's a scientist who's been actively involved in some cutting-edge research and work during this time is leading a program called the Fight Against COVID Vaccines and Diagnostics. I encourage you to go and find out from her some of what's going on in the scientific world around the virus and its treatment and, and more. If you are also able, some of us who feel comfortable and safe will be joining at Civic Center Plaza for a rally that will be in honor of and in recognition of the acts of violence against Asian Americans in the Bay Area, particularly, particularly in the last month where there has been a dramatic and brutal uptick. So 50 Asian American organizations in the city, our neighbors are organizing it and I will be there and I know some of you will be there to join me in that act of solidarity and witness. I will have some KN95 masks with me for those of you who come who need them to feel safe. We wanna remind you that the Zoom Memorial in honor of Ken Keep who passed away is going to be next Saturday at two o'clock, so please hold time in your calendar for that. 
But the following week on Saturday, our Spirit Saturday, which has opportunities for gathering and then workshops, that that's going to be taking place. So please look at those opportunities and consider joining. And I wanna let you all know that today's offering, so you're prepared um, before it comes around in the service, it is for the SCW, an organization that does work in our world, taking our values into the world for its scholarship fund. It's one of the cornerstones of this program and of its work in the world is to help people who otherwise couldn't start college with both financial support and mentoring. So I know in this Valentine's Day, we often think of romantic love, this sometimes kind of closed narcissistic love that two people get lost in. But really, I think we all know that love, when it blossoms, is this thing that makes our hearts bigger, big enough that we can throw our arms in an embrace around lots of people, including those whose names we don't know. I think this is one opportunity to live that out in a practical, concrete way that speaks of our love for one another. So I invite you to give generously to that effort this morning. There are so many more things that we could call your attention to, but they're in this order of service so that you can follow up with them, and I invite you to do so. And so what I'd like to do now is invite us all to center ourselves in the worship hour that we have begun singing as we do every week our meditation on breathing. The words are in your order of service. If you're new, you haven't seen them, they're simple. There are a number of different parts. Just join in and get lost in the deepening repeat of this music and meditation. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love when I breathe in. I'll breathe in peace when I breathe out. I'll breathe out love when I breathe in. Please say with me our covenant, and then we will sing together our doxology. The words are in your order of service. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, 
to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. Recognizing there is human suffering all over the world in the course of natural and human catastrophes, we ring our gong today in honor of three such places of suffering and struggle. We ring our gong first, as we have since July of 2019, for those lives held and those lives lost in federal custody in our detention camps for the over 500 children now permanently separated from their families, for all people held without charges in less than transparent or humane circumstances, in this repeat of some of the most shameful chapters in our nation's and our world's history of xenophobia, racism, and greed. We ring the gog seven times for this week, week of days in which those deeds have been done in our name. We ring our gong additionally once for the losses this week to COVID-19. This last week, 86,352 people died of COVID-19 globally, 22,290 22, in the United States alone. We hold in our hearts all of these losses and all, and all who continue to risk their lives to provide essential services like those who suffer from loss, who are especially vulnerable, like those, those living on our streets. Finally, we lift, ring our gong once in mourning and solidarity with our Asian American neighbors and fellow citizens for the heinous acts of violence and hatred this last month. May we keep those we have named and their loved ones in our thoughts and our prayers. And may we ease the tide of human suffering this coming week, howsoever we can.
With all there is to be concerned with this week, all the loss, the acts of hate, we also should name the gratitude, the growing tide of loved ones and neighbors and friends being vaccinated. Each one, one more soul, a little safer, a little closer to shore, to some place where they can weather the storms of this illness or have a fighting chance. And so I don't know about you all, but for me, there have been waves of relief. And with them, the realization that I have been stealing myself, as I imagine you have, trying not to think about what was not within my control. All those people, some of them far away, who we wished to protect but could not, And also, being aware as we begin to relax of all that it has meant to love in these last months, in this year. All that it has meant to realize the vulnerability of everything, including ourselves and our love of the world at risk. So I want us to just be quiet for a moment, just to let all of that have a place to sink in and a time and a space to acknowledge. I think it's the opposite of trauma and the way we begin to heal from what I think has been, as I said, last week, the trauma of these times. And to begin to let ourselves hope and trust a little bit. So breathe. Take all of it in. Let there be space for it all. For the loss too, because there has been that. spirit of life, of powerful, vulnerable love, we give thanks for those who have been kept safe these months, for the pain and the blessing of life, one that is able to risk on love. for this week and the chance to begin to exhale 
to imagine tumbling toward the normal rhythms of life and loss. For the chance to embrace one another, to hold one another, to hold one another's hands, to delight in each other's presence and laughter and breath and touch again, that possibility. Keep us safe and help us keep one another safe until then. Amen. start? How do you separate the present from the past? How do you deal with all the things you thought would last that didn't last? With bits of memories scattered here and there, I look around and don't know where to start. Which books are yours? Which tapes and dreams belong to you and which are mine? Our lives are tangled like the branches of a vine that intertwine. So many habits that will have to break and yesterdays will have to take apart. One day there'll be a song or something in the air again to catch me by surprise and you'll be there again. A moment in what might have been where do you start? Do you allow yourself a little time to cry? Or do you close your eyes and kiss it all goodbye? I guess you try. And though I don't know where and don't know when I'll find myself in love again, I promise there will always be a little place no one will see, a tiny part deep in my heart that stays in love. In 1946, in my senior year in high school, I had a breakthrough from a depression through much of my earlier adolescence. Part of my reconnection to the world 
was a fascination and a passion for left-wing politics and justice, very left-wing politics. In my Brighton Beach neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York, many of the young people leading the work were Jewish, just the kind of people my father didn't want moving into our neighborhood. To complicate matters at home was the fact that my dad was the local Republican leader and in my small Protestant Republican family and among my Protestant high school friends, things were very white bread, safe, and bland. But this new group of people were different. Among us, we talked of books and classical music, and of course, politics, which I had never done with my friends or family before. It was in the midst of all this that I met a dynamic young communist, an activist known for both his pranks and his rousing speeches at rallies, also a high school senior, not mine though. He had amazing energy, a strong body and curly brown hair, and from a Sicilian home. I was smitten, overwhelmingly a teenager in love. I contrived every opportunity and situation I could be, I could have to be with him. Frank was his name. His mother called him Francis. His mother was a good cook, and part of my contriving involved getting invitations to share some of her Sicilian cooking. I was in love with that too, a house filled with great cornucopia of smells of meat sauce and spaghetti with meatballs, barajol and eggplant, and what I now know as the familiar smell of garlic. Frank's life was rich in basil and oregano, rich cheeses and cheesecake, always wonderful. Frank presented as straight, and he was the son of a struggling single mother. I was then a deeply suppressed gay boy and having a hard time confusedly dealing with a serious love with a boy. Frank, for his part, was surreptitiously sexually active men as he began, but he did want to be straight, and ironically seemed to envy my white, very waspy world. We showed each other our worlds. Frank taught me about Broadway and how you could sneak in before the second act if you milled around with people during intermission. We went to lots of demonstrations and free summer concerts. Paradoxically, we were also drawn to the Flatbush Unitarian Church. The idol ended in September and my friends were back in school. No money for college. There wasn't much work then for young men that was reserved in 1946 for the veterans of World War II who now needed employment. With the war over, the army was desperate for new soldiers. So Frank and I enlisted for 18 months only to get a full college GI benefits. No gustatory adventures for a while in the military. And we were separated. He went to occupy Japan and I to occupy Germany. We would get back together again after our service. It became a hard, time of heartbreak because Frank was not ready to commit and I was. But looking back, he helped break open my world more than a little. And he was a big piece of my stepping out of being a boy, feeling powerless and claiming my own place in the world 
and having that place feel exciting and worth risking for as a time of coming alive. So Frank was a love to remember in more ways than one. And now our offering also in service of love for the scholarship monies given out through our SCW will be both given and gratefully received. me everything was beautiful every hour we spent together lives within my heart and when she was sad I was there to dry her tears and when she was happy so was I when she Our reading this morning is a poem by our own Robert Levette Smith, who most of us know as Bob Smith, beloved member and gifted poet and wonderful human being, who knows and writes a lot about big-hearted love and all its risks and the suffering it endures. This poem is an early one that he wrote. It's called The Man with Yvette Tattooed on His Neck. 
The man with Yvette tattooed on his neck could be a workman or a common thug. How sullenly he lumbers through the wreck of Sunday morning, followed by a dog, a dingy pit bull, like his master, dreaming of realms beyond the splintered sunlight where pavements aren't scarred by spittle blackening, no bitter taste of smoke defiles the air. And better times must surely be to come. What of Yvette, whose deftly scripted name writhes on thick sinews, delicate but dumb? Love won or lost? It's really much the same. Passion leaves traces in unlikely places, shines tenderly from the most hardened faces. Are you working on something new? That is not like you, George. I have nothing to say. You have many things. Well, nothing that's not been said. Said by you, though, I do George. not know where to go. And nor did I. I want to make things that count, things that will be I new. did what I had to do. What am I to do? what you'll be. Look at all the things you've done for me. Opened up my eyes. Taught me how to see. Notice every tree. Notice every tree. Understand the light. Understand the light. Concentrate on I love. want to move on. I want to explore the light. I want to know how to get through, through to something new, something of my own.
what you've done. Something in the light, at what something you in want, the sky, Not at where you are, what you be. Look at all the things you gave to me. Let me give to you something in return. I would be so pleased. And the way you catch the light and the and the feeling and the Not everybody can write like Sondheim. In the world, there is a lot of bad love poetry. I read a bunch of it this weekend. And if you're looking at the world of broken-hearted love poetry, whew, heaven help you. Just as there is an ocean of cringeworthy songs about love and lost love, when we fall in love, my friends, it seems all judgment, all self-restraint goes out the window. And maybe it does. Our brains in love, as it turns out, mirror brains of those struggling with obsessive-compulsive disorder. That is to say, they are literally single-focused, unable to think of almost anything else, determined to find, claim, be near the object of our affection, just as Don described when he met Frank. My mother likes to tell the story of my first crush <clears throat> on a teaching assistant in the elementary school that I went to in Los Angeles. Rusty was his name. It turns out he had a girlfriend, and one day she came to see him during our recess. Standing by the fence that was strung around our playground and sandbox area, she and Rusty chatted, and I wanted so desperately <clears throat> to be by him. But the other teachers, <clears throat> excuse me, wanted so appropriately that I give him his privacy. They must have said some version of, Vanessa, you have to leave Rusty alone. And I, in all earnestness, as got reported back to my parents, said the out of the mouth of babes truth with passion. 
but I can't stay away. My body won't let me. <laughs> we human beings, we fall in love. And good match or disastrous one, our bodies won't let us easily walk away. Our minds get obsessed and we can end up in all kinds of relationships in our sweet lives. Hopefully, one or more of these proves wise and lovely. Hopefully, at least once the puzzle piece of us is pulled to the puzzle piece of another where we fit with all of our idiosyncratic curves and sharp right angles into another and help put some corner of the world right and right where it belongs. But before that point, often on the journey, there are all those relationships that don't work out or work out for a while but end. Relationships where one person ends it or even the pain of the mutual breakup and afterwards the work of making sense of what was and never fully could be. Most of us have at least one of those in our past, I imagine. Maybe from kindergarten, maybe from last week. A few perhaps have perhaps a virtual red ribbon road of broken hearts behind us, ours and other broken hearts snaking out. So Valentine's is often a holiday as much about being reminded of the history of love in our lives all of the history of love in our lives and a time to sit with that as it is about thinking about the love we have right now. And so the relevance of an article I read years ago, an article in a largely trashy magazine, <laughs> truth be told, an article that set a frame around those broken hearted moments, an article I have never forgotten it was written, as I recall, and now it was a lot of decades ago, by a woman who was talking about all the relationships that had ended in her life, often in painful breakups. Now, though, probably at the ripe old age of still very young, she was beginning to see how each of those relationships had shaped her changed her for the better. It isn't the way we normally think about breakups or talk about them. At least I don't think it is. Maybe that's because when we most talk about breakups or broken hearts, after all, it's generally right after they happen, when we're deep and raw in the midst of them. And when the not working parts of those relationships are what sits and hits hardest and most stark and we're often reactive, painfully reactive about all of it, the way, the way we would be when you have a fresh wound and someone touches close to it or even brushes against it. Because these are fresh wounds then. 
At that stage of reckoning, you and I, we more often, I think, talk about all the signs in retrospect of how we should have known this relationship wouldn't work or how that person wasn't suited for us or revisiting all the breadcrumbs of warning that make sense, we think, a clear lineup when we look at them in retrospect that are so rarely clear in the moment in that way. Right after a breakup, we are wrestling with our feelings of hurt and disappointment and anger, and maybe the fatigue also of having to start all over again. Perhaps the most balanced and wise of us can see something else in that early moment of loss and ending, but I think all of us, when healing finally starts to happen, I think we all see something in the ashes and memories of the relationships that didn't work out. It was this that the article I read all these years ago talked about. I remember how the author cataloged one by one what she had taken away from each relationship that had ended in her life. How each one had given her something or expanded her somehow. There was the French lover who made her take up French, the person who loved jazz, the one who loved to garden. All these relationships had ended, and some badly, but she realized what she had taken away. How she had stuck with French and spoke fluently now and loved to travel to France still. How she still listened to Miles Davis and Nina Simone, how they were among her favorites, the herbal garden on her balcony that one person had literally or figuratively planted there for her. And how all of it, all those people, had opened these doors and windows to the world that she might not have opened herself. How she was bigger for having known them all in some way enlarged. And of course, we imagine that they were enlarged and made different by having known her. It goes that way, doesn't it? One of my best friends I met through a mutual friend. I was John's first year buddy in graduate school, and she became John's girlfriend over the summer. She figured that we should probably get to know each other given how much he talked about his core group of friends, how important they were to him. And even though she and I, from a distance, weren't really excited to get to know each other, truth be told. Still, we decided to meet for dinner one night, a kind of preemptive UN peacekeeping mission. And that one hour dinner lasted four as we laughed and connected and delighted in each other. John? John would later get the heave-ho. He wasn't great in the way he treated her, to be honest. So out he finally went. 
And even though there was a lot of hurt about how that relationship transpired and it's ending too, my girlfriend, this friend, always says she would put up with all of it over again because it gave her us. And I'm forever grateful to that relationship too for the parting gift it gave us. That relationship, our friendship, has been irreplaceably precious. Love gives us all kinds of gifts, doesn't it? Even love that ends and ends badly or hard. Maybe, maybe sometimes the love that ends hard has particular lessons to teach us, ones that we might not learn elsewhere, too. I wonder about that. I mean, we talk a lot about how love changes us, and it does. Our love for one another, as all of you know, is this crucible, right, that can hold us through a lot of hard but necessary reckoning, and our family and our friends and our relationships are often exactly the tight embrace and the foundation that you and I need in order to risk stepping into hard and necessary change in our lives. Sometimes I think we will only change because of love, right? We talked about this recently. I think of this story that I once heard that I cannot ever forget about this bar in DC, this famous old bar. It was a classic bar, right? It had this mirror, this whole wall of mirrors behind it and all the bottles you know, lined up on tiered shelves in front of it. And the owner, the story goes, had a drinking problem and he wasn't responding to the early requests from his family that he change that he gets sober and so the story has it the lore in this bar is that his sobriety began the day his wife walked in with one of those old hard suitcases filled with a few of his important key pieces of clothing and papers and the story has it that she came in when the bar was full and she said here are your things don't you dare come home until you stop drinking. And in front of everyone, she flung the suitcase across the bar and into the mirror, shattering it and all the bottles and making her point. And everyone would talk thereafter about the day that Dan got sober. We do make a lot of hard change, learn a lot of hard lessons in the love that lasts and will hold us through it all. But just as often and sometimes in particular ways, I think you and I learn lessons, hard lessons in the relationships that go wrong and maybe would only learn them there from the pain of that I think of all the things that people have told me over the years about what they learned in such moments. How they've learned that you need to name hurts or angers before they become a wall that separates you and that you can no longer take down. How some of us have learned too late that our partners are not mind readers and we have to ask for what we need or want in a relationship for it to work. How we sometimes learn that a pretty face is 
lovely to look at, but not quite enough to get us through a lifetime of bliss together. Usually we learn that one early on. Or that kindness matters a lot in a relationship. Or that respecting your partner can be as important, maybe more, than your passionate love for them. Though both are important. In my own short list of previous relationships, like the writer in the magazine, I learned also to love jazz, especially John Coltrane, especially the pieces that he wrote inspired by his religious or spiritual life, dear Lord, wise one, they're still my favorites. I took a three-month backpacking trip to Southeast Asia with a boyfriend, both of us quitting our jobs to do so, something that put my sense of my place in the world into wildly important perspective. I attended a ball in Oxford, a fairy tale experience among the old buildings and the grassy quads. All of those were lovely and world-expanding in their own way and things I took away from relationships that didn't last. And, and I think the hardest lesson I ever learned about life, I learned at the end of a relationship. I learned that you could love someone with all your heart and they could be a good person, no, a great person, smart and generous and funny and kind and it could still be true that you and they were not meant to be together. That seemed a horribly unfair truth to me at the time. It seemed cruel and it seemed against the laws of a perfect universe. Until I had to admit that it was true. Love is mysterious, I guess, to a degree. It doesn't fix all things. That lesson I learned the only way I could or would have, through a broken heart. Maybe, maybe all those broken hearts prepared us better for the ones who will not or did not break our hearts. Maybe they prepared us for all the people we have loved subsequently in our lives, for friends and family and strangers and new lovers. For sure, I think, and I hope you agree, that a broken heart or two generally means that we, when we find love forever after, wherever we find it, after some of the bumps and scrapes it took for us to get there, we know far better the preciousness of what we have. Broken hearts teach us that too. To cherish good, caring, mutual love when and wherever we find it. So, 
Bless all the broken hearts, my friends, past and present. Bless all love has given us, how it has shaped us, the door prizes, the hobbies, the heart more wise and hopefully more supple and strong. Bless the lovers of the world, all of us. Happy Valentine's Day. In our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us, be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.
The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.